0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
2: The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio.
3: Good morning and thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Chaleos, Ton Bettis with you this morning. We are taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can text us at 575-00. Next listener, Tan, says that they are propagating roses. Wow, adventurous. Uh, They want to know if they can plant the new starts in the ground this fall or should they keep them indoors until spring?
4: Keep them indoors until spring.
3: Okay, next person says they have 25-year-old laurels that will occasionally have a branch turn brown and die for no apparent reason. Is this insects or heat or what might that be?
4: It may be a fungal disease. There's a few different diseases out there that will get them. Just prune them out.
3: Uh, Next person would like to know how to control powdery mildew on a mature honeysuckle plant growing on a fence.
4: Boy, that is a tough one because some of the honeysuckles, once they get the powdery mildew, it is extremely difficult to get them out. There's a couple of different sprays they could try. There's uh, several Rose Systemics. Um, I believe is it Ortho Funginex might be one they could look at. Uh, There's also another one made by Fertilome that has a strange name like systemic fungicide two or, Mm. but there's a few of them out there, but the fungicides they want to avoid are daconil and some of the natural remedies like the neem oil and baking soda, because if it's that advanced, those won't do anything. And so they're going to need to step step up like something with the active ingredients, tebiconazole, propiconazole. There's a few of them out there. And what needs to happen is when they start to leaf out in the spring, especially if we have a wet spring, they need to be sprayed at least weekly, but maybe even after every rain event, using something like the funginex or the fungicide from uh, fertilome and get them through the summer and then avoid overhead watering. They're going to need to be watered at the base through the summer Because if they're hit by sprinklers all the time, that will spread the powdery mildew. Ah. And so the best thing to do is just try to prevent it.
3: All right. Steve is on the line in Lehigh. Good morning, Steve. What was your question?
2: Good morning. I've got some fruit trees that seem to be, the fruit just seems to be getting ripe way too early. Like the peaches look red and ripe and uh, my apricots are ripe like three weeks ahead of my neighbor's. Is that normal? Is that... Maybe. Should peaches be getting ripe right now? Yes,
4: they should. The earliest varieties will start to ripen in mid to late July. And so if you had like an early red haven or a 4th of July or even regular red haven, yeah, it's time. The peach season within the next two to three weeks will be drowning in peaches, hopefully. So the earliest peaches are fine. Apricots, depending on the variety will ripen from mid-July through uh, even into September. And so you're probably okay.
2: Okay.
3: Thank you. All right, Steve, thanks for your call this morning. Next listener, Tom, says they have a four-year-old maple tree that looks healthy but has hardly grown up or out, and they're wondering if there's something that they could do to get it to grow.
4: It depends on the kind of maple. If it's a red leaf maple, they're extremely slow. You might get six inches a year out of them. The, uh, other things to look at would be maybe slight overwatering, uh, that can cause the maple to live, but not thrive. And so they need to check the soil. Sometimes uh, a girdling root around the trunk or being planted too deep can slow them down. But if it is a slow growing red maple, red leafed maple, that might be a lot of the reason.
3: Okay, Mike is on the line in Santa Quinn. Good morning, Mike. What was your question?
2: Hey, how are you guys doing this morning? Doing
3: very well, thank you.
2: Good. Uh, my backyard has been dirt and weeds for a couple of years. I'm smoothing it out, and I want to plant some uh, grass back there. When's the best time to plant grass seed?
4: Well, the first thing I do, if you haven't already purchased, is contact Central Utah Water Conservancy District, if you just do an internet search of central Utah water, it'll bring it up. And you're going to look for Casey Finlinson and see if you can get some of their drought-hardy turf grass. You'll water, once it's established, about 30% less than you normally would have. But I like to get prep done in mid-August and get the seed down by late August. It's the best time of year to do it because it starts cooling down through September And the grass will do better. It has a lot of time to establish. And you'll have far fewer weeds establishing in late summer than you would in the spring.
2: Okay. Is there any type of uh, nutrients that I could put in the dirt now so that I can have better success? No,
4: because the nitrogen that you want will leach through, especially if we keep getting rainstorms. And so I would wait until you seed to put any nutrients down. Okay. Thank you very much.
3: Mike, thanks for your call this morning. Uh, our lawn has had these little moths in it. Ton, what Uh-oh. is that?
4: Sod webworm moth. Okay. And the, you, they the solution? They yeah. fly walk.
3: Yeah. Uh, been in denial. There have been some like one, yellow patches yeah, where the lawn's dying out.
4: soon. Because if you let it go, sod webworms can really be damaging to a lawn. Oh. In those brown patches, if they pull out easily. Mm-hmm. I would treat, and there's a lot of options. You know, there are in more inexpensive granulars that you can put granular um, products you can put down, but you would want to do it once a week for three or four weeks so that the, you kill all of them. You see the moths right now, but you also have eggs and larvae in your lawn all at the same time. And it, is one that uh, you could also try a long, a preventative like a season long preventative and that might take care of it. But for now I would probably go with something that's a lot faster acting and then put a preventative down too so that you don't have to keep retreating. There's lots of options, but the important thing is to get something down and be consistent and do it three or four times or put something down and use a lawn preventative a grub preventative that will keep them from coming back. So
3: it's not a one and done either.
4: No, it's not. The uh, When you do a season-long grub control, it will control sod webworm also. Mm-hmm. But the most common one, which contains the Merit or Cloprid, is basically effective until mid to late July, and that usually is enough, but we have another species of sod webworm that starts to become active through August and September, and the preventatives oftentimes peter out, and so you need to do another application in midsummer if you start to see it.
3: So here's the problem. You think that your lawn is drought-stressed, right? We ha- our, our front lawn is on a hill, so you know the water runs down the hill, and so we're thinking, oh... These are just, you know, spots that are drought-stressed. And then you start walking on it, and suddenly there are little moths flying up.
4: Yes, and that is most likely sod webworm moth. If they're light, like a creamy white or almost white and about maybe a third of an inch to a half inch long, that's sod webworm moth.
3: And this is why the plan is to eliminate a lot of lawn yes. that we have, that especially <laughs> on a hill that is really hard to well, maintain. I,
4: I was talking to Central Utah... Waters A former frequent guest of the show, Savannah Peterson, and she was saying, I was talking to her about some of the new codes they're encouraging cities to adopt to save water. And one of the stipulations is that any time you have more than a 30% grade, mm-hmm. it's against uh, the city code to plant grass in that Ooh. area.
3: Well, it makes sense to me, but it was planted 35 yes. years ago. so And
4: <laughs> I mean, that might just be front yard, but they've got some other things in there that initially to me was like, that's a little bit draconian <laughs> oh, no. of you, but she's like, well, if all you've got is a front yard, there are... Situations that allow for you to plant a full lawn in your front yard if that's the only place for the kids to play. Sure. And so there were some things like that in there. But yeah, it, it was interesting to see that no more lawn on anything more than 30% slope. But I get it. Yeah.
3: I get it. All right. We're going to take a break. Number to call with your questions. Phone lines are open 801 575 8255. You can text us at 57500.
1: I'm Dave Cauley.
3: Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria and Ton with you this morning. 801-575-8255. The number to call or you can text us at 575-00. Next listener, Ton would like to know, how soon after using a roundup can you plant something such as a ground cover?
4: Usually a week. But they need to refer to the label because it'll have what's called a replant interval. Or a reseeding interval listed, mm-hmm. but it's usually around a week.
3: Uh, next listener says, "Looking ahead to the colder temps, uh, when storing lawn plant care chemicals, is there a certain temperature that hinders their effect for the next year?"
4: They shouldn't be allowed to freeze.
3: Okay, and so, so not I, in a shed, maybe not in
4: a shed. In the what I will do is, if you ha- I have a garage, and even near the garage door because of the leaks around the door and the lack of insulation Mm -hmm. it's a lot colder near the garage door than it is near the house and so i have a shelf that's relatively secure closer to my home in the garage where i store them so that they don't freeze
3: okay john is on the line in kaysville good morning john what was your question and
1: even near
4: the hey
2: good morning um I mean, yeah, I'm in Kaysville, and I've got issues with squash beetles. Uh, I think I just uh, just had, real quick. Can you, you turn them. your
4: radio down in the background?
2: Oh yeah.
3: There, then we don't get that. Feedback. See, Perfect. That's How's great. That Thank okay? you.
2: Yep. Sorry about that. No I got my kids in the car, and they're listening. And I <laughs> no, it's all good.
4: I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: no, you're good. Um, yeah, squash beetles. I've been fighting them all summer. I go out. You know, scrape the eggs off the leaves. I kill the adult ones I can find, but they're just hard. They seem to be hard to get rid of. So just looking for some tips on that. I think they just took out my zucchini.
3: Oh.
4: Well, you get to a point that all the monitoring you can do, just they overwhelm it. And so the only other thing you could add this year to your battle You know, your collection of tools for battle is maybe using soapy water to dump around the bases of the plants to see if you can cause them to run up the vines, like there's, you know, the parties over down there, pick them off and throw them in a bucket of soapy water. But, you know, our Uber producer, Christmas Captain Dave, who's running our board for us, he is a serious gardener and he actually gave up growing squash for two years and then replanted Mm. this year. And he's had zero squash bugs. Mm. And so it's just one of those things that every two to three years, you might want to give it a year off. Mm. And so you can break that cycle to be able to keep growing them. Now, if your neighbor's garden is adjacent to yours through the fence, that may not work. And so you might have to plant those squash you know, my aunt who doesn't have a lot of problem grows her squash on the side of her house, you know, almost like you would bushes, and moves them around the yard. And so, you may need to do something like that too. Yeah. Okay. But if and, you uh, my, yeah. if you go on YouTube, there is a video mm-hmm. from USU. If you just go to YouTube and do USU Extension squash bugs, and it'll bring it up. And a guy named Ron Patterson shows how to pour the water over. The squash plants to monitor and get them.
2: okay. Great, I've tried to do a little research like that. I have a sister-in-law who had a problem with them, and sh- she read or heard something about at the end of the year or during the summer, sometime covering your garden box up with like a tarp, and it, and then the when it gets hot, it kind of bakes the soil
1: and
4: well, it gets
2: rid of them for a year. Or? No,
4: it it's the solarization and they can overwinter in place, but they can also crawl in from the neighbors and who's to say that a number of them don't drop out of the gardening box and go to the fence, you know, under the wood pile or whatever. And so solarization won't knock them out. I think that your better bet is, you know, a nuclear option is a permethrin product. So, there are some gardening sprays out there. You don't want to use the ones with neem oil and things like that. But, if you, but you can't harvest the fruit for a week to 10 days after you spray sometimes.
2: Okay. Okay. So it sounds like the best thing to do is just maybe take a year off from it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, grow some other yeah. things if you're really into beans okay. and peas or... Water, not even watermelon they usually don't get into but just grow okay. different crops you know grow enough to store or whatever and then switch yeah. back and see if that helps but no cucumbers no squash whatsoever
1: Oh okay. and I would avoid the
4: melon no pumpkins no melons you just like cantaloupe or anything yeah. like that
2: Okay yeah I have I have my, so my I have separate garden boxes I've got the my um, cucumbers in a separate garden box next to the zucchini and they don't seem to bother the no cucumbers. they don't
4: like they might feed on cucumbers if they're the only thing there and you might get away with growing those next year but all okay. of the other stuff i would avoid okay all right john thanks you, for your call. you
2: guys are very helpful thank you very much
3: appreciate your calling thank you, you bet. Uh, Bye. My next listener says uh, their wisteria is green and yellow. It looks sick. And they're wondering how they could get it back to looking healthy and green all over again.
4: I'm wondering if it's maybe an iron issue to Hmm. where it might be getting too much water and it can't get the iron out of the soil. I would have them email pictures to their extension office to see if they agree. But there are some root diseases that can get into them that might cause that But my first thought is probably nutrient deficiency. So
3: try the iron first. Yeah. Okay. Next listener says, how how do they dispose of unused weed killer? They think it's T-zone.
4: Well, the easiest thing to do is just spray it out and use it that way this fall. Um, If they can't do that and they still have the label, a neighbor may want it, but Local dumps or landfills oftentimes have a hazardous material disposal system, but you have to pay for it. Every once in a while, the State Department of Agriculture will sponsor a program that you can drop your stuff off for free. But other than using it, dropping it off at the landfill for hazardous material disposal is the option.
3: Okay. Next listener wants to know: Will weed and feed fertilizer hurt rock cress along the edge of their grass?
4: It'll kill the rock cress if they get it on there. So okay. I wouldn't even go that direction. It's too hot for weed and feed right now, anyway.
3: But don't get it near the rock cress. Don't,
4: yeah, don't, don't do that because broad leaf means rock cress. Oh. You're killing so, the rock crest. Yes. Oh no. Okay. Or potentially damaging it. So I would just keep it completely away from the rock crest. And when they put something down in the spring and fall, a liquid dandelion killer is always more effective, but even then try, you know, to keep it a few feet away from the rock crest so they don't get any drift.
3: Next listener is asking, can they grow zucchini in a pot? And I would like to reference them to the video that we did on container gardening. You can find it very easily on YouTube, KSL Greenhouse Channel, because you can grow just tons of vegetables in containers. You can. Not small pots, but
4: larger containers. And there are patio zucchinis out there. You can order seeds online. A lot of garden centers will carry them. But you need a pot with a volume of at least five gallons.
3: All right. We're going to take a break for the top of the hour news. Coming back with more of your calls and questions, you can call us 801-575-8255. You can also text us at five seven 0 We'll be right back.
2: Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish
0: changed everything.
1: It was violent. It was senseless. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com
2: or wherever you get your podcasts.